0: I've destroyed a bathroom. Like, I took the the door and I just, like, rammed it and it broke the lock and some girl was just in the locker room like, are you okay? And I'm like, obviously not! Um, <laughs>
1: See, by the way, guys, we're all fine. You should put your kids into tennis. It's a great outlet for any sort of, like, emotional trauma. Welcome to Burning
0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Hell. I'm Hannah Burner, and we're in tennis hell with... I don't know how I got this guest. She's one of the greatest tennis players in the fucking world, on the planet, in the universe, in the stratosphere. She's won the Junior U.S. Open. She's won the U.S. Open in doubles. Clearly, she just rocks out in New York. Um, She's a California gal, and she's on the pod. It's Coco Vandaway!
1: (laughs) Well, we know how I got on this podcast is I was just sliding in the DMs like crazy, trying to get noticed and recognized by Hannah, and she was leaving me on red, leaving me ghosted, and (laughs) finally she just caved and let me become part of the Burning in Hell squad.
0: I am so happy that you're on because do you know that you've known me for a while?
1: Yes, so Nina's the one that told me about this she showed me the article back in the day when I, I forget what newspaper it was in or magazine or something. And she's like, this girl's claiming she played you. Do you remember this? And I'm like, I have to honestly say back in the day, what was it? 10s or 12s. I can't remember f- this. <laughs> <laughs> it's match so, in my you life. know
0: those matches that you remember vividly and you like wish you didn't. Of course. So I have like a vivid memory of playing you and my fiance and i love watching tennis now even though it's like past my active tennis days but we watch all the tennis channel we love the smaller tournaments we like get in and he's he's very into coco he's very like how's coco doing what's she up to how's coco serve whatever so i explained to him how i know all the girls because i'll be like oh you know on the easter bowl you know we both you know got water together i don't know anyway so we played in the 14 and unders and you were like a decently high seed and I think it was at super nationals and I'm was like a scrappy annoying player I was your worst nightmare back in the day like it, you definitely were like in, and not in a good mood she woke up wrong side of the bed that day and I got up five two and but you were kind of giving it to me. Like, I wasn't, like, playing spectacular anything. Yeah, I was, like, tanking or something and just, like... You were full on... Actually, you were full on tanking. And I was like, this is great. I just need everything to keep going this way. I'm like, I hate
1: Are this you... girl so much. I don't know one thing about her. We literally walk on court, lock eyes, and I know I just hate her guts. And we haven't even hit one ball across the net to each other. But I hate her. So that's the end of the story. Like,
0: as In tennis, there's, like... Like, Coco is a huge power player. Where I was more defensive like you would have called me a pusher back in the day and i would have been like and you she call me a pusher and it was clay so oh, no. you God, were not so happy way. yeah uh-uh. you were in a bad mood and i remember thinking like if if she, if she keeps this up i'm gonna win this match and it was the first round and at five two you broke your racket like okay. smashed it to the point we'll that, that. The, the ref from like three courts down ran over and was like, bitch, you, that's a point penalty. You, Your racket's done for life. And y- something came over you and you like calmed the fuck down after the point penalty. And then I'm pretty sure you won almost every game after that. So you so won like 7-5, 6-2. John-
1: I had my John Macro moment of like, you cannot be serious and just like broke <laughs> stuff and like. By the way, anyone who wants to go on YouTube and Google my name, like, you'll find Racket Break <laughs> compilations all over the show. And, like, me talking to rap. So, like, if you want to be entertained in that way and, like, figure out what I was, like, 12 years ago, 15 years ago as a little kid doing the same thing, like, now I'm still doing it Are as you adult. Not entertained?
0: <laughs> But I was super excited to have you on. Not that... All athletes are boring because they're not. But I know you have a funny personality. I've seen your post-match interviews. And I personally was very bad at being like straight edge. And I would always say stupid shit even in my like college interviews. So I always related to you. I was like, oh, she's trying to make the reporter laugh. Good for her. <laughs> but my the point of the story is my dad after was like, what the fuck was that? Like you had her. Like what happened? And I was like, dad, that girl's like really fucking good. I remember like not that. He basically was like, you you could have won that. But I remember being like, Dad, something weird happened and like that girl is really talented. Your dad was and your coach next... back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, was... my mom was
1: too, so I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's the kind of thing where like they have like coaches coaching you, but like he's taking you to all the matches, coaching you. Um, an emotional assault. The next day you played like the top girl in the East who was ranked higher than me and she was really good. And you smoked her O and O. And I went up to my dad and I go, told you she was really fucking good. So that is my memory.
1: That like West coast versus East coast is like huge rivalry. And like California kids are like a different level of like play. And like, we love to stick it to these like New Yorkers (laughs) that actually thought they could play when it's like, you guys get snow and play indoors. I don't know what you think about. Like currently I'm in San Diego in like a winter coat and it, yeah 60 almost 70 degrees i mean like well yeah outdoor
0: tennis is a whole different game i remember like i'd get annoyed at the birds i'd get annoyed at like a leaf i'd get annoyed i hated wind i would have like full mental breakdowns where i'd start tossing it like two inches and just like hit a forehand (laughs) and i would get so mad but um i i grew up playing with like christian and christina McHale, um and like that group but anyway i'm so happy to have you on because i need to break you down you are at a very interesting point in your career because you've kind of checked off so many boxes. You've played Serena Williams. You've played with Martina Hingis. You're, you're like, you've done so many things. What is your mindset right now?
1: I mean, like, I just turned thirty, so I'm old. Me too. It- congrats. <laughs> Thanks, you too. We made it. You but like, it. I'm old in tennis, and um, so like. I mean, whatever that means, so Serena's still playing, and she's darn near 40, and so is Venus yeah. and stuff like that. But I've been going through a lot of injuries in the last, like, two, three years. Um, I mean, that's a long story, but I've had two severe injuries, one in my foot, and then the other one in my pinky, as you can see. I mean, there's, yeah. this, there's no video in podcasting, but it's crooked as heck. And during mm-hmm. COVID, I took a cereal bowl out of the microwave, heating up some soup, and exploded in my hand and sliced off my pinky. So that was Fun. um i hate the
0: injuries that are off the court that always happened to me It was like so stupid, stupid was,
1: shit everyone was like, asking cheap. like were you drunk and i'm like no like, it was like <laughs> <laughs> middle of the day I, and they're like still it's covid were you drunk and i'm like no i wasn't <laughs> i was just trying to get a, a little soup for lunch out of the microwave that's all i, I was just a little
0: hangry <laughs> yeah. and it turned on me
1: Sadly. but i mean like currently i'm just kind of like starting back from where I was when I got injured which was number nine in the world and like competing for Grand Slams there's four big Grand Slams in the year and now I'm coming back and kind of restarting my career at 30 where I'm like supposed to be at the end of my career so like I'm kind of in limbo in that fact and I'm still trying to figure it out myself like I don't really have a clear answer as like what I'm capable of or what I see next but I definitely see like I I want to see if I still have it I still want to see if I can still contend because when I was taking out of the game four years ago for my first injury in my foot I was like contending for all the titles and all the glory and all the money and all the fun and you know all that stuff and then I left and it was like cool now let's try this again so that's kind of what I'm doing right now
0: what is driving you to be like Oh, I want to continue playing. Uh,
1: a lot of different things I mean when I, when I was first starting without a care in the world and, and like young stupid, uh, it was kind of like just piss and vinegar. like I wanted to prove so many people wrong and just really um, hated a lot of what people told me I could be or what they wanted or saw or t- the naysayers and stuff like that and the haters. I,
0: yeah, pretty much. Um, there's still plenty of. <laughs> or the of Tinder them. swindler would say his enemies. <laughs> I still have not
1: watched that yet, and I will. I, I am catching up. I, I'm on Ozarks right now, so I'm I'm still playing catch yeah. up.
0: Yeah. Um. But
1: like right now, it, what's driving me is kind of what I was saying earlier. Is just like I want to see if I still have it. I still want to see if I can contend because when you have something and it's like totally tangible of like the greatest achievements you could ever achieve in whatever you do and it's taken away in a week or three days and you're like well what happened and now you're coming back and playing again and people are pretending like they don't remember anything that you did and so it's like well i was actually something i was it sounds like
0: that drives you i remember i forget maybe i saw you at playing at the australian or one of the warm up tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, Coco's back, that bitch is back. <laughs> and I was like excited because when you're on, you are scary. And I know from personal experience. Just like <laughs> when you're on, when your serves on, when you're feeling yourself and you're controlling like everything, it's what are you gonna do? But I I also think tennis is so interesting now that I've been out of it for so long but still love it in a way how like your ranking always was so tied to your value like you're the same coco arguably a uh, way more mature stronger coco than four years ago but that coco was ranked higher so it's like how would you cope with those like dealing with the ranking and your your ego
1: i mean it's i'm definitely less of a jerk i would say that i mean oh, that comes <laughs> it mean, comes with maturity too like when you're when you're like 22 and 21 and like just cruising the world and and playing all these like great events and and meeting all these people and and just having kind of the world as your oyster it's like you're kind of a jerk to everyone because you have so much and you just think like things are so easy and that was was similar uh, kind of what i was saying earlier was like when i was playing and competing for the grand slams ranked number nine in the world you know going against the Serena Williams and the Venus Williams and the Sharapovas and all those players, I was the most unhappy I've ever been. I had finished number nine in the world and had won the the Fed Cup, which is basically tennis's Olympics. I had contended for two semifinals and two grand slams, one at US Open, one at Australia, quarterfinal Wimbledon losing the Sharapova. I mean, like, Name anything you wanted, I had it. And I couldn't have been more miserable, hated what I was doing more, and started the year again because tennis basically starts from January 1st and ends November 15th. So we're playing all year. And started the year again, and I was like, I'd rather be anywhere than here. And here I was in Australia, summer, beautiful. I love Australia. And here I am yelling about bananas on the court because (laughs) I really, like could not and I was sicker than a dog because I had ended up getting the flu and like just could not have hated what I was doing where I was and who was around me more and I ended up getting injured and then everyone disappeared so it's like so tied to what I was doing and who I was as Coco Vandeway the tennis player more so than who I was as Coco Vandaway the person and that's what I had imagined in my mind that I had done so well was separate the two like I had my friends at home who knew me from grade school and this and that and like Chill they,
0: California girl. <laughs> yeah, they
1: they loved me for for in. me. Yeah, and then there was like you know the tennis friends and the sponsors and like the the federation people and stuff like that that want things from you and I thought I separated it so well, and when I started to get injured, I realized I hadn't separated it at all. I was so tied into and everyone was so tied into Coco Vandeweghe, the tennis player that had basically brand yeah the brand I was a brand and I I mean I still am a brand but like I was a brand and anywhere you went like I would go to a grocery store with my younger sister who's 11 years younger and like people would follow me in a grocery store and she's like why is this guy following you and trying to like staring at us and I was like well I play tennis and I'm pretty good and like you know she's 11 years old and here I am at 21 just taking her around she didn't get it Mm -hmm. but like now going out and, and about and like not being validated was, like, a huge ego check. Like, things like that weren't happening as often. Or, like, I wasn't getting, you know, the recognition or, like, the freebies or, like, you know, mm-hmm. getting invited to tournaments and stuff like that. And I was like, uh, hello. Last year, I was literally in the semifinals playing against and Keys and Sloan Stevens and Venus Williams, and now you pretend I don't exist? <laughs> what? It,
0: <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's called... It's called an ego death that oh, you just had. I died. I died.
1: It's, it's dead. <laughs> like dead. Like, your ego I, got I, injured and
0: then it flopped over. I had to be
1: resurrected big time. I, I laid on the couch like such a homeless person. Like my mom came over one day and was like, You need to get your hair done and nails done. And then we'll like oh could talk again. Cause I was so depressed. I like had but no idea. But then it's funny
0: because you're depressed because you lost what you had. But then you're also saying when you had it, when you were winning you weren't happy why do you think that is
1: uh why I think I I had when I was winning and so depressed was because the reasons why I thought I was playing tennis and competing and trying to achieve all these goals and everything like that was you know I wanted I wanted to make my mom happy that was number one similar you know my mom was my coach essentially she took me to all these tournaments financed everything that was going on to the fullest that she could I mean I wasn't a wealthy kid. And so it's not easy. I mean, tennis is super mm-hmm. expensive. And I was mm-hmm. very fortunate. to have many coaches give me free lessons and this and that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to validate my mom and everything and all the sacrifices that she had given me. I wanted to basically stick a middle finger to everyone that said I couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, that was a big one. And mm-hmm. then also, I, I wanted to be so successful that I wouldn't have to do anything ever again like I had always had this kind of I guess like great cloud around me that like you're going to be a failure you're never going to achieve it you're going to have to like work at McDonald's because I mean I never went to college I mean I Mm -hmm. went professional at 16 so Mm -hmm. what do I know about the real world and So I college just wanted... is stupid, but continue. <laughs> I just, I
0: just wanted. you learn how to drink well.
1: <laughs> I, I learned how to do that as a professional tennis player. So don't worry about that. You can learn that anywhere. You don't need to learn that in college. No, <laughs> no, you don't. But it was just like going against all those people. And I wanted to prove them wrong so badly and validate my mom so much. And in that, if I achieved all that, I would have made myself happy. I would have validated myself. And then when I did do that and didn't get the responses that I was expecting from, you know, whether it was um, my mom or my family, because I'm very family oriented and tied, it Sorry. crushed me. I, I was like, I, I achieved all this and no one's saying congratulations. They're more saying, well, you didn't invite me, so I didn't even watch.
0: I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, this is fucking powerful, Coco. This is fucking powerful because you kind of, as an athlete, were like, okay, if I do A, B, C, and D, I win. Like, if I get this and if I hit this, then there's happiness. Yeah. But it shows how, like, it was always just in you and, like, you're never going to get that external validation that, like, really puts to peace your own, like, self-hate or your own doubts. It's like you just have to wake up one day and it's and be, like empathetic and compassionate with yourself which is fucking hard especially as an athlete no, that, when never only, as an athlete. no one never spoke to us compassionately no. No no, like, no 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 all the voices I mean, in my head are like my coaches like people who were angry at me when I didn't perform and like that's all you know
1: yeah I always I always remember this um this moment where I was with my coach and whenever I would win it would be like oh yeah we won you know it was a it was a whatever the score was and then the second we, lost, we I lost, it would be she lost. And like the terminology of that, of we and versus like together, we won. But if, mm-hmm. if I lost, it was a solo thing. And I was yeah. like, well, if you want to take credit when I win, you got to take credit when I lose <laughs> in a way. Oh, for sure. But there was definitely like a, no validation for me when I won because I was so angry to do everything else. I was so determined and my determination came in anger and mm-hmm. in like um, you know kind of the middle finger to everyone which I succeeded and relished in but then when things got quiet and disappeared I realized how really like it hurt me how like because it's not it's not really my personality at all to be an angry person I'm very happy I'm very chill I'm actually super introverted and like quiet and like mm-hmm. Whenever I say that to people that don't know me that well and that aren't that close to me, they're like, yeah, right. You're like, you're the life of the party. You're you you you're the first one to, to talk and the last one to finish, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of person. And I'm like, yeah, but that's why I leave Europe twice a year and, and have to go home because I just want to go home and sit on my couch and have my dog and like never see anyone mm-hmm. that cares anything about it. Like, I took my dog all day to, today with me. I mean, she's old and, and going blind, unfortunately, but I love that oh, dog at that.
0: <laughs> I love old dogs.
1: Oh, I have
0: a 15-year-old pit bull who's, like, wheezing in the other room. Um, <laughs> I would so have taken cute.
1: her here, but she would have been whining, and I was like, I can't have that in the headphones. <laughs>
0: yeah. I would be like, what's that sound in the background? <laughs> it's it's, it's a, a whining animal. animal. Is dog okay? She's um, fine.
1: She's just talking.
0: I, I love how before we started, you were explaining how you kind of cr- can relate to some of my stories. And it's so funny because I consider myself like to get deep because you'll get it. Like I played for University of Wisconsin. I played like one for the team. I was having a lot of performance anxiety. I had the service yips like Sabalenka. It happens. And I just was like, look, the universe is not does not want this for you. Like, do I think you could get to like top 600? Maybe that you're not doing anything with that. Who are you trying to prove? Like, do you want to just lose the money? So I I quit and then I remember just crying all the time being like, why did you spend your whole life for this? (laughs) Like, why was it? What's the purpose? And I think I'm watching like, you know, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles. How is your mental health when it comes to like the pressure and the winning, like what is your perspective to keep yourself sane during this insane journey of professional tennis?
1: for a lot of my career I just thought I was above it like I would have these ultimate highs and then like huge lows and like it didn't mean anything I no one talked really in depth of like well she can't she doesn't want to go practice she doesn't want to go play like why is that and they'd be like oh you know just give her a week off like she'll figure it out and like I did I would figure it out or I would just push through because I think all athletes are like people pleasers in a way like we always want to do more we always want that extra rep we always want to be the first one in the gym and the last one to leave I mean and when someone Kobe calls Bryan you coachable
0: things. when someone calls you coachable you're like yay I remember one coach was like S- you just have to forget everything and trust me and with like changing my grip and all this stuff and I remember being like I feel so out of control but oh, it's, I mean,
1: we could have a whole nother conversation of like the psycho like babble of like what coaches say to young kids and like how impressionable kids are. I mean, I think there's so much that can be said, it. like the impressions of like teachers in school and coaches that you have growing up, how impressionable and like how much that can change your outlook on anything. I mean, yeah. I hated school. And I remember I had third grade teacher, sorry, second grade teacher, Mr. Freeze. Hmm. And he made me love school, and I had just left Long Island to come to uh, California. My parents had gotten divorced, and we had moved over here, and I had hated school. I was an outcast. Like, everyone knew I was, like, the kid with the divorced parents and stuff like that, and it wasn't cool and whatever. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. divorced now, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. But- <laughs> I feel like I was on trend. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean,
1: everyone get in line. I mean, now your parents are divorced. Mine were just ahead of the curve
0: and
1: and this teacher made me feel so welcome and like made me and like he had a piano in his classroom and would sing and he was a trained (laughs) opera singer I mean like wild things that you don't even like think are possible but like this guy made my like year and life turn around because like I was went from like a happy family or like cohesive family at least to like Mm -hmm. put up your what you're now moving to California from Island and like it's it's all happening for you over no, here that's like
0: trauma but it shows how a good coach or a good teacher can really bring the best out of you and one that isn't great and like y- you guys have to understand that with a coach and a tennis player it's a very intimate relationship of like trust one-on-one spending all this time traveling together and well, it's, but it's it also weird. almost
1: like parent child in a way yeah. when you're like a kid learning the sport and technique and all this stuff. And then it turns when you become a professional, like I'm paying his salary or her salary. I was about
0: to say, you're the boss, technically. But
1: they're telling me everything I have to do. And so it becomes kind of like a lot of people compare it like boyfriend girlfriend relationship because, like you were saying, we have to travel together every week. We're traveling all over the world. We have to get dinners, meals go train, practice, listen to each other. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that works. Like not every day your boyfriend or girlfriend's listening to you or hearing what you're saying. And you're like, you know what? Screw you. You're such a jerk. Like I hate you so much, but we have to go get dinner and be nice (laughs) and be in front of other people and like put a smile on. And that happens. I mean, that's that's literally tennis right there in a nutshell.
0: I do think also because I'm thinking about your journey and how like i wanted to go pro that's all i wanted from when i was a little kid but i kind of fell out of love with the sport and i didn't really know it but i think there's a thin line between also just being really fucking good and like i feel like you were naturally so talented like with a serve like you have you could probably hate the sport and still be winning tons of matches how have you managed like not always wanting to be on the court and be, that being your life.
1: Well, I implore everyone to go read Andre Agassi's book. If they want to understand tennis at all. And it's actually super relatable. I mean, the guy did crystal meth. So like it, yeah. it's it's super relatable. Everyone does just a crystal Monday, meth, you know, average
0: Monday, <laughs> um,
1: but like just kind of the inner turmoil that you face day in and day out with like a hard-nosed parent that implores you to get out there and train and like, employs you in different ways. I mean, Andre had a difficult parent-child relationship, but it's not always a parent. Sometimes it's a coach that is just abusive, or mm-hmm. it's, you know, a uh, uncle, or, you know, whoever is your mentor. And that's what I kind of mean about, you're so impressionable. Someone always takes control of what you're doing and mm-hmm. pushes you into the line of direction. When I was a kid, that was my mom. My mom was a two-time Olympian and yeah. I was very fortunate that I also lived with my grandparents so it was my my grandparents my mom's parents and my mom we all lived together with my older brother and so like my mom couldn't always take me to tournaments. tournament so it was, it was my grandparents and I loved when my grandparents would come when I was a kid because my grandfather was like the yin to my mom's yang like my mom was mm-hmm. all like we're like bulldozers. like we're going and if we don't win we fight harder and we yell harder and we scream harder where my grandfather was more like okay let's let's go play this match if you win we write three things that you do well and we write three things you did not so well and we go and practice you lose we write the three things you did well three things you didn't do well and we go practice nothing changes the world doesn't Mm -hmm. end we're Mm -hmm. like when you're a kid, the world ended
0: when you lost, like you cried. No, the world this. literally was, it ended to the point that I dealt with a lot of performance anxiety where like practice, I was like killing it, loving it, having so much fun. The second I go on the court, like everything smelled differently, it looked differently and I would just like have a lot of performance anxiety. Oh, have see, you ever I, dealt with that I kind was, of stuff?
1: I was the opposite and that's that's pretty much like, I don't like tennis, I like competing. Like yeah. So I hate practice. I still hate practice. I don't like to practice at all. And like if I could literally go play every tournament and never practice, I would. I, I just would. I love actually training in the gym and like working out. Like, don't get me wrong. I love working out and like playing tennis yeah. also.
0: Yeah. But if you put... You prefer to be out there fighting.
1: Let, let me fight somebody. I mean, like... I, I wrestled as a kid like within
0: wrestling. I saw that yeah well wrestling I mean, and boxing they say are like the closest sports to tennis yeah.
1: I also did boxing as like a cross training one year because I was just like I want to hit some
0: shit <laughs> yeah fuck yeah I love boxing but I just hitting, hitting is like the thing you miss after leaving tennis you're like I, I mean that's why I like you rackets, right you know yeah I mean, you just hit oh yeah well I've been but there I, i just love competing that's it i
1: just want to compete i want to see somebody lose like i th- mm. like thrive in you have that. the killer instincts i
0: i do and we're psychotic
1: I, yes totally crazy and i've always been that way <laughs> i mean when i would go there's like still stories that are are told i mean having divorced parents like i go visit my dad and i live with my mom like i would go visit my dad and be as terrible as i wanted to because i knew i wouldn't get in trouble with my mom my mom was authority. Where, like, my Mm -hmm. dad was kind of, like, vacation. Not that, you know, he didn't have authority either. I just knew, like, this is my freedom (laughs) kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, I would lock my stepsister out of the house. Like, I would just, like, be crazy, like, bad competing. And, like, she wasn't, like, as athletic as my older brother and I. My older brother and I are just a year and a half apart. So, we were, like, together always, like, causing mayhem. And, like, we would create obstacle courses that we knew she couldn't, like, (laughs) <laughs> even be with us just to like be able to lock her out of the house. i mean just like terrible bully things now that like yeah. probably we would be like in like big she's talking here. about in
0: therapy now
1: yeah i'm sure she is <laughs> <laughs> obviously i don't i mean i should be now there's a, probably some deep down rooted reason that mm. i should be in therapy for all that for but i mean mm. like as kids you're just like racing bikes and like at some point you know someone needs a little bit of bullying i, I feel like I feel like kids. <laughs> kids mature when they get bullied a little bit. Uh, you're like even now, yeah, and as, you're as testing much, boundaries with yeah, your little sister. Yeah, you're <laughs> enjoying because
0: he was probably bullying on you a little bit. With, we're not. This is not an enabling bullying podcast. No, but I, no, no. Did, I'm not. I'm not it saying did it's give right. Give her pers- a good personality, probably. Yes. Um, yes, you <laughs> but have. I, mean, I do have. You got
1: to get made fun of a little bit. I mean, kids are yep. mean. Kids are mean Yeah, you would, have to
0: roast each you gotta,
1: other. You got to learn your boundaries. You got to see if the stove is hot and touch it uh, or don't. <laughs> Keep you know? her
0: humble. Yes. Yes. But I do have to say for you. I have a lot of belief in you because loving to compete is what you do for a living. Like that's all that's where you get hungry. That's where you you feel the high. And I'd have to say, you know Camilla Georgie? Yeah. When she won, when she won like Indian Wells or so, she won one of these like big tournaments and I think she's 30 or like 29. And I just remember feeling- She's a little bit
1: older than us.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, and so she'd never had that result before in her whole career. And I remember being so fucking, I don't know her personally, but being very proud of her like, oh, she figured something out mentally later in her career that, cause she hits the crap out of the ball.
1: Oh, yeah. She hits it harder than I do and she's like, I'm six. Tiny. I'm six foot. So, like, let's let's put that in perspective, everybody.
0: (laughs) You can put her in your pocket. But there's something I think about with tennis this day and age where, like, if you can get your mind right, it doesn't matter, like, what age you are, and you're physically, like, healthy, your knees are okay, and you're, you know, like, you want to be as agile as you can, especially after injuries on your foot and hand. But it's like I feel like there's an advantage to almost being more experienced.
1: There is, I and I mean, back like to the mental aspect. It took me till I was, I'd made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon for the second time. This was in 2017, so I was uh, what was I 20 26, and I this was the year I had like my best year ever, and playing well and I got to the quarterfinals and this was a player I should have beaten and I went into the match like I have this and then I knew who was in front of me the next match would have been Garbine Muguruza who I have a winning record against and I know I can beat her and then if things got better I probably would have ended up playing Venus Williams in the final and I was like you know, Venus had just beaten me in Australia semifinals. I think I know how to beat her. Like, I I could win Wimbledon. Like, this was going through my mind in in the quarterfinals, and I get out there and completely shit the bed. Completely shit the bed. Like, I was the higher ranked player, and not that I was ranked super high at the time. I was in the 20s, and this girl was probably in the 50s or so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And but I was in tennis. Like, when you're the higher ranked player, you're supposed to win. they're supposed to be like pretty solidly easy win and I ended up losing pretty convincingly like lost and I left that that match and I was so embarrassed that I had thought ahead and I'm not one to look ahead in the draws and I knew just like what was in front of me and my coach and and I talked about it and talked about it for like two days and he's like I think you should go get a mental coach. Like I got a guy and he introduced me. So I, I still use him today. And I mm-hmm. had tried, um, you know, mental coaches or you want to call them sports ph- psychologists, uh, whatever you want to call them. And it had all been like huge failures for me because I didn't want to be codependent on someone else. Like I did, I, tennis, tennis to me is such an individual sport and I'm the only one out there. I'm the only one that can make the ball over the net. I can. I, I'm the only one that can run the ball down. I mean, that's it's only me. Like this person that's sitting at a desk telling me, you know, take three deep breaths before I serve. Like, isn't doing jack shit out there. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm the one actually doing it. So I thought it was. It was. You know, these sports psychologists were all like ridiculous and like Cougs. Yeah, basically. And so he introduced me to this guy. He's in Bath, England. His name is Don McPherson, and he's like, why don't you call him? Like I, I've I've spoken to him and my coach at the time was Pat Cash who had won Wimbledon and, and he's an accomplished player himself. And so I called him up and he said, you know, I've, I've been watching you and Pat has told me about you. And I said, well, this is all I have to say. I think what you guys do is basically crap and I don't believe in it. And I don't think what you guys, <laughs> I, I told him this straight up. I was like, I don't believe in anything that you guys do. And I I, I told him the exact same thing. Like, I don't want to be codependent on someone. I don't think... Um, That's right, and basically your job is to prove me wrong. So prove me wrong. And then we started work together all summer. I made a final. I made another semifinal at the U.S. Open and did really well throughout the year. Yeah, that was
0: like a hot, hot time. Is there anything, because there's all type of listeners of this pod, is there any advice that he gave you that you've used, like, in all areas of your life? Yeah, so I...
1: I definitely, I've grown up with, with men most of my life. I have an older brother um, who basically him and I, you know, did everything together. And in tennis, I trained with men and Mm. um, always had male coaches and things like that. And so I'm not very sensitive um, even though my older brother is super sensitive (laughs) and (laughs) he's the first one to cry. And like, I'm, Mm. I'm more like the one that points and laughs at, at someone crying, you know, I'm, I'm, bully again we're not promoting bullying but i'm a bully (laughs) and (laughs) she's
0: self-aware she's (laughs) self-aware yes yes, i am
1: fixing the problem (laughs) Uh, but like you know i i was just raised in like if you're not bleeding why are you crying where like my mom basically coddled the boys and like you know they're supposed Mm. to be sensitive and soft where the girls are supposed to be tougher than nails and what i learned in when I was going with my mental coach with Don, cause I mean, like once we got to know each other, we would talk more about just life in general. And just one thing that I can take away from that in all aspects of life, which helped me kind of control my feelings because my feelings would be either super high or super low was to allow a thought to come in to my mind. And we call it the monkey mind. And he wrote a book about uh, the monkey mind. And it's basically that inner monologue that you have that, like, oh, you suck. That was a stupid, like, when you're in a conversation, and you said, what's up? And you meant to say, hey, or like, you just <laughs> screwed up. And you're like, God, you're so It's like stupid. the, sto-
0: the storyline you're telling yourself. Right. And so you let those
1: thoughts happen. And it's okay to happen where, like, for me, I was like, this is totally unacceptable because I hold myself at such a high standard that I can't be saying these things. I can't even be talking to myself this way. These people can't be, like, it would just go in circle and circle and circle because I was trying to refute it so much. But he's like, let it happen. Acknowledge the thought and then let's move on. Because like when you're having a conversation, like you and I, I acknowledge what you're saying. I I take it in and like, all right, we can have a reply or a rebuttal. And I can be like, she's full of shit or like, you know, whatever, whatever I want to think. But well, so many sports psychologists say like you got to be like stone cold and like no emotion can affect you. And he's like, it's okay for it to affect you, but don't. And you're
0: not let the kind of player continue. that's ever going to be a robot. Who's no, like I, I super calm it. after missing an overhead. No, no, no. no, no.
1: <laughs> there was there was a distinct moment where I knew that was never going to happen for me. I was training with the USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association. It basically controls all of American tennis, and my stint didn't last long. It wasn't made for me. Some people it's made for, it wasn't made for me. I was training with this girl, Julia boss up, super sweet girl. And mm-hmm. she would kick my ass day in day out in practice. I mean, just like the worst score is six. in tennis every day. And we would train every day for like months and months and months. And there was one practice I am going out there and I'm trying so hard to just be like that perfect person for these people and like, do the right thing, take the steps the right way, and not have it affect me that this girl's still whooping my butt in practice every single time. And I'm in the warm up, and I like to talk shit. Like, I grew up around guys. Like, I like to talk some smack, and like, you know, you do something dumb, like, I acknowledge it and be like, oh, do it again, you know, sort of, sort of conversations. And she didn't handle that well. And me being a bully, I knew that. And so, I, was, I would talk some crap to her, like, in the warm-up. After, after Mind you, we had trained already for three hours together.
0: You would have so, loved college tennis. Oh, God, no. Know. no.
1: No, no. I'm about to go see my friend this weekend in Arizona and go to a college tennis match. So it's my first ever one. I'm not excited. You just start
0: heckling the other team. So <laughs> so I, you're, like, allowed to. You could yell anything. It's wild. I am a professional
1: heckler. I go. Yeah. My, my boyfriend uh, went to U of O, and he's big Oregon guy. And for his birthday one year, we went to the Oregon versus Stanford game, big rivals. I went straight to that Stanford store. I bought a Stanford t shirt and I was, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm, I'm a professional heckler. And, and It's fun
0: to bust balls. Yeah.
1: So we're practicing and we're about to start our like hundredth match that we had played probably that month. And I miss the first ball into the net, snap the racket over my leg like go jackson with the bat snap it over my leg and how crazy i am it didn't break all the way so i go again to snap it with like shards of of the racket slices up my leg i'm bleeding and i'm and like mind you like the usda is basically walking into a government building so like I'm like blood, yeah. like going in to get my passport <laughs> renewed, you know, sort of like that's basically the kind of like the quorum you're supposed to have is like, you're supposed to be presentable and proper. And here I am like, dating, trying to it over of my American legs.
0: tennis. Yeah. And so the coach comes up, to there's me and, little girls watching and they're for like, sure, for sure. That, what, what
1: happened and the coach comes up to me and says, I think we're done here. And I was like, you're right. And I just walk off. And the coach that I had known since I was—he was my year coach—and so in tennis we go by years. And he's like, uh, co His name is Richard Ashby. I love him to death. And he's like, "Coco." That was a very bad example for those little girls out there. And I was like, "I'm so sorry, Richard!" Like, crying and like hysterical. It was—it was a
0: freaking mess. What is your opinion on tour of how women are? treated with like the breaking rackets and yelling shit and when they are going to give warnings versus the men
1: Oh, way different. Like we can't even say the word shit without getting a warning while the guys can say shit. I mean, like there's there's extensive, like what you can say and how you can say it and when, why, how, you know, all those things. Like I could break a racket and like do it in a bathroom and be not get a penalty. But if I break it on court, I get, you know, a $1,500 penalty. I so you say- thought
0: of this. You're like, should I just go in the bathroom? <laughs> no, no, no.
1: no. I- I've done that one before, too. I was playing up with Pingus, and I went into the bathroom at the U.S. Open and destroyed a racket and got... I've
0: I've destroyed a bathroom. Like, <sighs> I took the the door, and I just, like, rammed it, and it broke the lock, and some girl was just in the locker room, like, are you okay? And I'm like, obviously not! <laughs> um-
1: <laughs> See, by the way, guys, we're all fine. You should put your kids into tennis. It's a great outlet for any sort of, like, emotional trauma. That you want they them say to tennis is the, the only
0: sport you see people like lose their minds to themselves oh, and it's yeah, so bad. But all, I have a question for you. You have a confidence to yourself. It's some people call it a swag. Some people may say it's genetic, but to have the balls to play with Martina Hingis, to have the balls to just like play against Serena and really believe that you're going to, you belong there and you're going to win where does, does that come from? Because I was very naturally athletic. Like I always was like top percentile, but there were always moments where I was like, I don't belong here.
1: Uh, I, I think it was just cause honestly, I think it was, it started when just having an older brother and my mom would put him into sports um, knowing that I would follow him. So that's why I wrestled. Cause I wanted to like wrestle and be with my older brother. And so knowing that like as a you know young kid young girl i'm not going to play in the game unless i'm good because the boys aren't going to let me go play and catch the football sure. unless i can actually do it and you have except, to be like
0: exceptional i have to for be them to respect even you. I'm, i don't
1: have to be as good as the boys i have to be better than the boys to even get acknowledged to get into the game so yeah. having having that knowledge um also i mean i grew up in a household full of athletes um my mom like i said earlier was a two-time Olympian in two different sports. Uh, My grandfather played in the NBA. My Mm -hmm. uncle played in the NBA. My other uncle played pro beach volleyball. Did you deep
0: down know you were going to be pro in something? You just didn't know what? So I always wanted to be
1: Olympian. I didn't care what. I just wanted to be Olympian, not a professional athlete. I just wanted to be Olympian because my mom was an Olympian. And so when I got to be in the Rio Olympics, that was like Mm -hmm. my all-time goal that I'd ever hit in my life. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was super huge for me. And like the confidence, I honestly take that for my grandmother. So not to like humble brag, but uh, my grandmother was Miss America in 1952.
0: I read that. She's like, not only am I very athletic, but I have very exceptionally symmetrical face. Couldn't you tell? (laughs) I get the genetics. (laughs) Look at those (laughs) cheekbones. So
1: like, I would, I would go like, cause I'd, you know, church on Sundays. So like I'd get my church outfit on, I would have to parade in front of my grandmother and heels cause I, I lived with my grandparents and like mm-hmm. she would teach me how to walk and come into a room and like carry myself and and just like weird things that like you wouldn't ever think of, like how to walk into a room and, and have everyone notice that you walked into the room, not by saying anything, but just by the way you walked into the room. I mean, that that's probably where I would get, my swagger and confidence because I love spending time with my grandmother I mean we would sit in her her room and eat Oreos like after <laughs> training and practices and I would win a match lose a match and she said it doesn't matter you're beautiful
0: and, <laughs> it matter, it <laughs> and that's it get, so you could have been a model oh. six feet she could have but she decided the other way you also hit like on Oreos th- too much that's the problem <laughs> girl same I, <laughs> I, um, I also think you hit on something interesting that people don't think about when they think of the women's tour is that a lot of the women we tra- like I played on the boys' tennis team in high school. Like you train with a lot of men. Yeah, there's a lot of women listening who are in male-dominated fields. Like I'm, I'm in comedy, which is very male-dominated. People are in sales or like you know fucking engineering. What advice do you have? Because your whole life you've been surrounded by men that you've had to prove yourself. What advice do you have for women in a male-dominated field and how to not be intimidated?
1: Well, I think I think you have to understand kind of a male mindset is is Stupid. more competitive. Well, <laughs> no, they, no, it's just simple. It's, it's Yeah, what you see is what you get, and that's why they have so much so much of a difficult time like relating to women is because like there's always something underlining, and I can relate that to myself. It's like I said, I'm happy, but like why didn't they notice I was, like, upset getting my water earlier? And, like, <laughs> also, like, my my socks are, like, on my left foot, and it said right, and I it should have been the other way. And, like, <laughs> we're thinking about that stuff. Guys, don't think about that stuff. Like, they don't care. And all they care about is, like, more like supply-demand. Like, you give me what I expect to the best of your abilities, and you will get the praise and everything that you want. And I think as, as women, we are always – seeking praise Mm -hmm. and I think if you just perform to the like flat out what is expected of you you will get what you want it's when you do something else or something out of their simple minded box is when like things go haywire like I, I I have this this with like even my male coaches and stuff like that or training partners and I hear you know let's hit 20 20 balls over the net cross court and it's like okay that's 20 balls that's easy and I think I've performed that to what they said but when it actually doesn't happen the way I expect it to my mind goes fucking crazy like Mm -hmm. I expected 20 balls to be 20 balls and that's it and I thought I did it the way that they said but what I missed was yeah we're going cross court not Mm-hmm. Down the line, and I mm-hmm. screwed up that part, so that's why I'm not getting the praise that I expected or the acknowledgement that I expected. And mm-hmm. I, I think if you just realize that men are just face value animals, like that's what you see <laughs> is what you get, <laughs> and
0: that's it. That's it. I just I, well, that. it. You, yeah, you can intimidate yourself as in like, oh, like they're stronger and they're, all this stuff. But it's like, no, women are so special in our own unique ways, even when our brain can seem like complicated, complex. And oh women, do- women conquer the world one million percent. And my
1: grandmother used to tell me that so many times. It's like, you know, as much as sh- she's 50s, you know, back in the day where like, you know, be seen, not heard kind of kind of aspect of of women and children sort of thing and And she's like, there's never been a conversation that I sat at at a table where I wasn't acknowledged, heard, seen. And it's all how you present yourself. If you present yourself as this crazy loud and like, please pay attention to me. No guy wants to pay attention to you. Like, they just don't. It's that subtlety of like, I know I'm fucking better than you. So you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to listen to what I have to say, otherwise you're never gonna hear it. Well, like, when food, you said I like know,
0: food. when you said I know, like that's just like believe that you deserve to be at the table. Absolutely. Believe that you're meant to be there, and you got don't there for let... a reason.
1: Exactly, and never forget that like you got to the table for a reason. How you got there is basically the reason why you're there. Like relish in that you know that you belong you know you deserve it you deserve this moment you deserve
0: and you probably an have to work harder to get there
1: absolutely there, and no one's don't ever feel like you need to be validated by this one man they don't Ooh, Or yes, two men bitch. or five men whoever it doesn't matter it's all about your work your work and how you perform and you knowing that you did it the right way should validate it for yourself and that. that kind of like how we started this like i was doing everything to validate so many other people except myself and when i it all ended up happening for me i was miserable i was depressed i could have hated everything that i did because i never actually felt validated myself because i never looked back and was like coco you did a freaking really good job you did I have a really chills, good Coco. Job
0: today. i have chills because that's like not to bring up taylor swift but it's like she said she like won all these grammys and stuff and she was just like alone and like Didn't care and then she was even more upset because you're like wait that was supposed to answer all my questions, but I do think I'm excited for you because I feel like you're gonna start playing for yourself Because you you're coming back from the dead bitch like you fucking had a your hand was fucked Like you didn't even know if you were gonna be here. It's it's disgusting put it away (laughs) But we're going to play the seven deadly sins Seven Deadly Sins Also, I just My mom's around and she goes Oh yeah, Coco, she's sassy, isn't she? I was like, yes, she is Um, She will not stop talking about bullying her little sister Anyway, what are you greedy about? My time That is what I am very greedy about Well, it's an honor that you're letting me talk shit to you for over an hour are you good at saying no to people
1: no i'm not good at saying no to people and um (laughs) i also am very much uh who i forget who said it i'm a good time girl i guess like (laughs) if someone has an idea of like having a good time i'm very like into that like and i love last minute like fun ideas and and just like you know what shoot you want to you want to go to the bahamas yeah let's just go i'm ready like where i probably should say no and um uh train and and do like you know adult things but i'm like uh someone's offering to take me to the bahamas
0: so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go <laughs> <laughs> who are you envious of i am actually envious of
1: um like my childhood friends, like my normal Joe friends. Like, um, I feel like they don't have the difficulties that I have to face in, in family and career in all these things, um, that come along with being a professional athlete. And I'm envious of, of kind of them because my friends, I know the best. So like, it's, it's easy to say like somebody like, I don't know, Michelle Obama or something like that. Like, Mm But I feel like someone that you intangibly know, I, f- I feel is more relatable.
0: I also feel, though, like because you're taking more risk, you'll have like higher highs than a person with a nine to five. But you will have lower lows That's just like how the universe works. Do you still get crazy highs from winning or is it just like, oh, thank God I won?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I, I still get crazy highs. I, I I still get super nervous. Um, I mean, I... I can't even fathom, you know, walking out on the court sometimes. Like I just get super nervous still to this day and, and performing in front of thousands of people is just such a high to me.
0: Do you, calm down once the point starts
1: yeah it takes me about three
0: games so that's about 10 minutes for me to calm down oh oh my god that is so funny my dad used to always be like why don't you just give them the first three games why don't you play (laughs) them oh my god i can i can relive that like in my mind like someone saying them to me
1: saying that to me as a like pretend you're already down three love okay (laughs) i was like well i won didn't i like that was my sassy attitude back was like i won didn't i so
0: what matter? um what are you gluttonous about what do you overindulge in uh besides bravo well yeah
1: besides bravo (laughs) so i'm i'm a uber bravo fan i am gluttonous god in laziness i overindulge in being lazy i i think that that's something to be gluttonous in i mean Mm -hmm. i i i relish the times where i can be lazy and i'll take as much as i can give
0: I'm the same way. It might be from just like trauma of having to work out so often when you don't want to. I but I told literally myself. Literally said this today. I think I was on the
1: um, rehab table for for my shoulder, and I was like, you know, I think when I retire, I'm
0: just gonna like sleep a lot. <laughs> oh my god! So I told myself I'm never gonna run a timed mile again, and I'm never gonna wake up at 6 a.m. to work out, and I held my promise. Well, it's you're been 10 years. Well, <laughs> My friends will be like, oh, my God, let's go work out at a boot camp at 7 a.m. And I go, "Absolutely fucking lutely not. That's not my idea. No, no, I don't. I don't understand it. You don't have to. You can do the same thing at eight o'clock. I I don't I don't get it. But also it's when you're chasing like a dream that will get you up or like the fear of your coach getting upset. But like afterwards, I'm like, I'm not trying to win the US, US Open. I'm not No, with no I'm not doing that
1: extra set. <laughs> I, I don't understand why you want me to go to like gear 14 when you also said you can go to gear 10. I'm going to go to gear 10 because I don't yeah. have to do this anymore.
0: Oh my god. Okay, this is going to be a funny question to ask you in particular. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh, it was rec- it was at my boyfriend for sure. Um <laughs> He he gets he gets some brunt of my anger. Uh, it was definitely like last week. I can't remember what it was about, but I I'm definitely. How did you
0: guys meet? Because dating on tour is definitely not easy. So
1: we met. It's this is. Uh, I mean, I'm not sappy love person, anything like that. But this is like a very nice story. <laughs> um, so uh, in tennis, there's there's national tournaments. So basically, everyone in in the United States gets together, like the best of the best from. York to Florida to California, Texas, like they all come together and play against each other. And we do it by age groups. And this was 18 nationals in Berkeley, California. And no one in my family could come with me. And so I had to get a housing family. And my boyfriend's housing family was my family. And so I met him when I was just 16. And he was was 15. So I'm full cougar. And only by like eight months but it's, it's Wait, okay. So he's
0: just a guy whose family lent the house he's not like a tennis player
1: he played junior tennis but nothing like substantial like he like we we played during covid and like i i can't play tennis with him it doesn't work <laughs> i mean like he, he can keep the ball back like if i'm nice to him but like i'm just as, as yeah. we figured out in this podcast i'm a bully and I, yep. I want to win. And so yep. I'm going to win. And COVID was a very That's dark the- time for us and playing cards <laughs> and board games and things like that. Like we were playing gin one day and I had the cards in my hand. and I just started elbowing in like the last card. And he's like, I literally don't want to play with you anymore. Like you're the worst person. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Because you're losing I elbow in the card.
0: <laughs> I- my fiance wants me to like hit it easy with him and i'm like yeah but like eventually you get bored and you want to just like hit a yeah, winner obviously and he's get mad at me and then he hurt his groin i'm like it's not my fault that you're 45 and you didn't stretch before yeah him. you should play up i don't know what you want me to say he's here he's like you're so annoying on summer house, the show i'm on i fucking like pulled my back right before i went on and Nina has also to told me serving. to start watching
1: Summer House. I have not watched it yet, so like, bear with me on on wait. The so deli- you
0: found out about me not from Bravo, but from Nina being like, I like from this Nina. podcast. Yeah. Wait, I've oh my god, Nina and I, I think I had the same coach back in the day in Florida. Anyway, I literally texted her world. before I went on,
1: and I was like, you'll never guess who I'm podcasting with. And she's like, she named like some tennis like podcast. And I was like, no, Nina, God, uh, Hannah. And she's like. Oh tuning in
0: <laughs> now I, now I need Nina on. isn't isn't she like running something right now or like... she's like
1: running UTR but she was like on tennis.com or I something like that with tennis channel
0: also do you plan on becoming a sports broadcaster like the next Johnny Mac um, I would like to yeah I, I think that would be
1: like something tangible for me i i've tried i've tried it but like my that's one of my dreams to become after tennis but probably my yeah. biggest dream after tennis is to be the captain of like the olympic team and the fed cup team because like that was my biggest dream was to be do you like rep- coaching no i've never coached in my life and i don't <laughs> have the patience for it but like i think like out of these like two weeks that these two events happen i could do it yeah. but like to coach yeah. like Another professional or to coach like a kid like through a year, no chance. I don't. I, I I don't have because I know what I expect from a coach, like the time, energy, and I don't want to give that. And I know that of myself because, like, once I retire, <laughs> I, I retire. are gonna say they're not gonna give it, and you're like, I'm not gonna. Give no, no, it. <laughs> I'm just like really not gonna give it. Like, I want to sit home and like be with my dog and like. Yeah. <laughs> in san diego it's so
0: funny when you said captain i thought you were gonna say captain of a ship like below deck oh no 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 no. Uh -uh, uh-uh uh-uh okay when was the last time you let your ego get in the way of something Ooh, this is a tough one but like how's your ego doing oh, my ego especially is big since your ever. ego death it, no like <laughs> now it's back and no, no, the podcast. Like, my ego
1: never leaves <laughs> like i always get called out all the time about it um it was actually during this like little super bowl party that i had at my house and it was literally like my four girlfriends and um came over and like it was literally i was just like egoing about like i made these like uh bria tacos like i've been seeing them on the internet and i thought like i was just so jazzed about like myself and proud and like i'd spent six hours and i could talk about how much time i'd spent and like my ego was getting out of control like that's the best tacos you ever had right like <laughs> and they're all like you need to calm down <laughs> like they're very great like yeah they're so good but like shut the fuck up <laughs> In a way, in
0: a way. That's the most California conversation. Like my tacos. Yeah, my tacos. My margaritas are good, and my tacos are good. Like I made really good guac. Like I mean, see, here goes my ego again. Yep, Yep. there she goes, Mm -hmm. out of control. Okay, final question, not for your boyfriend to listen to. I ask, when's the last time you lusted over someone besides your boyfriend? Who's the hottest guy on tour? But like with his personality, you know? I mean, because you know, like we know who's like the hottest ones, but like you know them as people. Who do you think is a good catch? So, I really like Matteo Bertini. I think his looks and his personality. Yeah. Christine. Time, time.
1: He's so Agreed. nice. Like I I'm oh, I'm a I'm a nice guy fan. Like I I'm not into like the funny guys. I mean, like you can be funny, that's fine, but like uh, <laughs> that's secondary. Like I just want a you nice guy. You mean like guy. the smart asses. You're like I don't know that. I don't do that because I'm enough of a smart ass for everyone to deal with. So, like, we don't need yes. two smart asses in the group. So I would, yeah, I would say he's,
0: him. He's, he's up there for sure. Also, selfishly, I just want to know, what's your favorite tournament to go to in terms of, like, the vibe and, and like, tr- the place to visit and the food and all that shit that comes with it?
1: So I would say in the United States, I would say go to Indian Wells, which is in March. Um, that is a great tournament. You can get super up close and personal with like the players and and just kind of the vibe is really fun. Um and the food in the desert. I mean, like the desert's fun. I I like the desert. I mean, there's bougie ass hotels and there's always good parties that are happening during that time. But if you're gonna travel and actually go to a tennis tournament, go to the Australian Open, hands down that's a great tournament spend the money go the food in melbourne is really good they got a really good food scene the the brekkie the brekkie some avo avo toast and you know just they they're you basically leave winter in the u.s and go to their summer and and they are just like you go through their fourth of july which is australia day so like you're just living Mm. their best summer and it's it's so much fun there's just like
0: Kangaroos high fiving. Yeah. That's what I envision. Yeah, go. go where's to, a place? Go there. Where's a place that you've been that people wouldn't expect being like cool or like fun? Because you've probably been to the corners of the earth with these fu- random tennis tournaments. I would. Especially say, when you're trying to get points in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I've been to weird places. I mean, like <laughs> in in the U.S., like no shade. Like I actually enjoy weird ass places. <laughs> But, like, probably the weirdest place I ever went was Dothan, Alabama. And they're famous for their uh, peanuts. And, like, there's peanuts on every corner of, like, their major highway, which goes in a giant circle around the town. And, like, every exit has, like, a famous peanut, um, like, dressed up character-wise. And that was super weird. (laughs) <laughs> um i went to hooters or applebee's every day first time i ever went to a hooters oh my God. Um, <laughs> but outside the u.s probably belarus belarus i found Ooh. really cool i went to
0: minsk and um a lot of tennis players come out of there too yeah
1: there's a lot of uh, belarusian players and like what i thought was cool so like I, as i've traveled i've become more of like a history buff and yeah. like Just reading about all these different countries and just getting cultured and and being a tourist because like when when you lose or have some downtime like be a tourist for sure so uh, like i'm Mm -hmm. i was there playing for the u.s playing against belarus and i just gotten in from uh china so i was super jet lagged and i asked my captain for a day off and we were playing in the finals and she's like you want a day off before the finals and i was like yeah, I'm jet lagged. I don't want to be on a tennis court. Like, yeah, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to off. So we basically, so my coach, myself and um, my trainer went out and like, just board around Belarus. And like, all you see, like on the outside facade of all these buildings is like everything old communist, like gray mm-hmm. square and like kind of dec- not decrepit, but like sad. I don't, I, I, yeah. like when you think of like communist, like that's what I saw and mm-hmm. like of what you read. And then you'd go inside these buildings or like inside a restaurant and like the liveliness and the, and the, the, the fun that they would have and how much that they loved. Cause not many places love having Americans, mm-hmm. but they loved having the Americans in there and like spoke English. Great. Which not everywhere yeah. you go, they speak English. And not everywhere I go, I can speak whatever language I go to so, like, there's yeah. I don't speak Russian, and oh. I was it was so fun, and like I love I love the the food that they had, and just like the what makes places for me is just kind of the culture of the people. Like, if they're fun and jovial and like just alive, I, I really enjoy those types of places.
0: I agree. The people can make the place. It doesn't matter where you are, it's who you're with. Yes. Um. Final, final question in hell. Because you've had so many ups and downs and you have kind of navigated through head first, headstrong. What what advice do you have for the listeners on what to do to cope with your hell when you're at your darkest? I would say find an animal <laughs> if you like animals. Oh, my God. I agree. <laughs> um, you know, as
1: weird as it sounds, like the conversations I would have with my dog and like just talk and like go on walks and like just tell her about like my day and stuff like that like when I was in my lowest of lows that was honestly what was like because I was embarrassed to be in front of my friends like my good Mm -hmm. friends because I was like who am I without tennis and like who am I without the fame who am I without all this stuff and like Mm -hmm. I would just sit there with my dog and like cuddle go for walks and talk and And like, just this, my cat saved my
0: life for sure.
1: Oh, I mean, like, (laughs) I I would, that's, that's what I would say. uh, Honestly, like, that's, that's what helped me the most. And I think what kind of dog? uh, I have a white German shepherd. Her name is Duchess. She is 13. And unfortunately, can't see that well. But it's just a good girl. She's just a good girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you can't travel
1: with her because I know no. some of the
0: girls have like little dogs that they'll like bring around. No, I wish I could. I take I take her
1: out like, um, I mean, uh, when I go play in the desert, the tournaments in- tournament in any Wells that I was talking about, I take her out there and mm-hmm. and put her in the hotel that I stay in. And I mean, mm-hmm. she she's the laziest animal of all time. <laughs> like you think German shepherds, big dogs, you got to like run them or like play ball that dog is the best napper of all time. Like (laughs) literally I, I asked her when I, cause I usually take her out all day Wednesday and like that was today. And so like, I just take her with me. She loves to get in the car and like just cruise. And so like, I was like, come on, let's go for for a walk. And she's like, not even moving. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, you've been inside like sleeping with me all day. Like let's go and she's like kind of gr- begrudgingly like getting up and i'm like all right yeah
0: i feel that i feel that that's the fucking life she's like i'm not a professional tennis. No, player. she's like i'm not walk. an athlete
1: whatsoever like i'm just chilling <laughs> i'll play with my ball every once in a while but like otherwise There's i my just cat. want love that's and butter
0: oh um She's like, I'm beautiful. I don't have to. Yeah. Um, Coco, where can people follow you? Where can people watch you? Give me the info so people can kind of support you long term. Okay. You can follow me on Instagram at Coco
1: Vandy, uh, V-A-N-D-E-Y, um, and Twitter, same thing, Coco Vandy. And then you can um, also watch me on Tennis Channel, ESPN2. Um, I'll be playing come March in the States. So come out, support. Um you know all all the good stuff that comes along with all the burning hell crew that I've just like now invested myself in
0: yes the little devils we're gonna go and raid those tournaments oh yeah um oh my god and I'm so excited for the open coming up because that's like the best energy i have to hit when I come to New York well yeah yeah well I would love that Oh, you know what we have to do? We have to make some funny TikToks. See, I feel like the TikTok has kind of gone over my head. Like, <laughs> like
1: I, I feel so old saying that, and I'm not that old. I just, like, I was a part of that group that, like, when first TikTok came out, I was like, TikTokers, stupid. you know? Yeah, that's yeah. stupid. But now, like, all, yeah. all I watch on Instagram is TikTok. Like, you know, I, like, that's all my feed. They found you. But I still they have not you. downloaded TikTok, so...
0: <laughs> oh my god you must do so many things in life uh, when you're maybe not i don't know TikTok. maybe oh my god well thank you so much coco for coming to hell you're incredible you're inspirational we love you i'm still mad that you beat me a long time ago and you made me think i almost could win a set because you were tanking and i'll talk to you guys later bye <laughs> <laughs>